The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Kingpins, a podcast original. I'm Alastair. And I'm Kate. Every day in May, we're featuring a quote by an iconic crime figure, teaching us, in their own words, what it takes to survive in the underworld. Today's quote is from notorious bank robber John Dillinger. I'm traveling a one-way road, and I'm not fooling myself as to what the end will be. If I surrender, I know it means the electric chair. If I go on, it's just a question of how much time I have left. Dillinger had no illusions of righteousness. He knew that robbing banks was not only a crime, but a very public one. Dillinger's penchant for spectacle and his fearless approach to thievery started early in his life. As a young boy growing up in Indianapolis, Indiana, he committed petty thefts around his neighborhood. The gang of boys he ran with was called the Dirty Dozen by their local residents. But young Johnny was otherwise considered a likable and outgoing kid. Dillinger thrived on the attention, and his crimes grew more brazen as he reached his teen years. In 1923, the 20-year-old Dillinger stole a car to impress a girl he was dating. Unfortunately, the police caught up with him not long after and tried to arrest him. But Dillinger broke free from their grasp and bolted. Knowing he was a wanted man that couldn't show his face in town anymore, Dillinger joined the Navy the next day. He shipped off to basic training and after that, he was stationed on the battleship Utah. But Dillinger soon fled the Navy, too. He hated the regimented life of a sailor and deserted his post, making his way back to Indiana five months after he'd left. He quickly returned to petty crimes, culminating in an attempt to rob the local grocery store. He was sent to the state penitentiary for a 20-year sentence. While in prison, Dillinger met Homer Van Meter and Harry Pierpont, two established bank robbers. The men taught him all about bank robbery and getaways, and their friendship grew strong. When Dillinger was released on parole in May 1933, he took up robbing banks almost immediately. A few months later, Pierpont escaped from prison and joined him. The men headed to Chicago, where the banks were large and filled with farmland profits. After a string of robberies across the Midwest, Dillinger was caught in the spring of 1934 by police in Arizona, where he'd been hiding out. Once again, Dillinger fled, this time after carving a wooden gun and stealing a car. But taking a stolen car across state lines called down the attention of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover declared Dillinger public enemy number one. He marshaled all the forces of the Bureau to bring the robber to justice. Even if justice meant a death sentence carried out on the street. After his escape, 
Dillinger returned to Chicago and formed a new gang, including his old prison friend, Homer Van Meter. They relocated to St. Paul, Minnesota, and began another spree of robberies across four states. Everything came to a head on June 30th, when Dillinger robbed a bank in South Bend, Indiana. The gang stormed the lobby and fired their machine guns to seize everyone's attention. Unfortunately, the gunfire also drew the neighbors to the bank to see what was going on. And most of those neighbors were armed. When Dillinger and his gang came out of the bank, a gunfight erupted in the street. The gang barely escaped. Homer Van Meter was shot in the head but survived. And there were several dead townspeople. Van Meter's brush with death had shaken Dillinger. When they got back to Chicago, he decided to lay low for a while. He knew there was no way out of this. He just wanted to enjoy the time he had left before the FBI caught up to him. Unfortunately, that happened sooner than Dillinger could have anticipated. Just three weeks after the disaster in South Bend, the FBI cornered Dillinger at a movie theater in Chicago. As always, Dillinger tried to flee. But the FBI had had enough of chasing Dillinger. They opened fire, putting four bullets into the notorious bandit. He collapsed and died right there in the alley. Spectators gathered around Dillinger's body, dipping handkerchiefs in his blood. Photographs of his corpse were published in newspapers across the country. Dillinger chose his road early, and while it led him to a violent death in a dirty Chicago alley, it also made him one of the most legendary criminals in history. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another quote. You can find more episodes of Kingpins for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. 